0: where drinks are discussed but not bought or sold welcome back to the summer of shots right here on liquid gold my name is mike wolf your host today i got a very special interview with jeremiah blake that we're going to get to in just a moment here it's the summer of shots where we're going to cover a different topic every episode and just kind of dive into it maybe one drink one ingredient one wine We'll have a lot of fun with this over the summer. We're drinking light. We're drinking fizzy. Today, we're talking about the daisy, which you could also substitute as a name for just cocktail. The daisy was the precursor to the margarita, and you could argue maybe the most important creation of the early cocktail era going back to the 1850s, 60s, 70s. So look forward to getting into all that. Jeremiah has one of the more famous daisies that I've ever uh, drank or made. It was kind of a smash hit in nashville and was an imbibe magazine going back to about 2011 2012 so it's going to be great talking to him i want to get the word out and help me spread the word i'm here in denver colorado i'll be doing a virtual event with tattered cover bookstore so you can check out this event wherever you are head to tatteredcover.com go over to the events and you will find it it is saturday june 12th tomorrow We're taping this on Friday, June 11th. This is Saturday, June 12th, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Now, let's see. That would be 3 o'clock in Nashville and something like 2 a.m. in Warsaw, Poland. So really hope anyone who listens to this show all over the world Please tune in, check it out. It's super easy. You just have to enter your email. You'll be given a link for the event. That's it. No charge. Going to be fun talking summer drinks, talking vermouth, talking old fashions, giving some uh, little previews for the new book, Bar and Teamed, which will be out July 20th on Turner Publishing. So really excited for that. And Jeremiah, my guest today, is in the book and gives uh, an amazing recipe. So we'll get to all that. And this event... Four Tattered Cover is all about garden to glass, grow your drinks from the ground up, the book tour that never was, uh, the book tour that was interrupted for the pandemic. So I'll be doing some events for that all summer and fall and uh, lots to come as always on Liquid Gold. Let's turn it over to our interview with Jeremiah Blake. All right, it's a very special double shot episode of Shots today. It's the Summer of Shots Part 2. We did it last year. It's a good time to take One idea, one drink, one shot. Talk about it. Today we've got two things we're going to talk about with a legend of Nashville bartending. He, for a long time, four years, um, he spent establishing the bar program at the Holland House, a very forward-thinking cocktail bar here in East Nashville. Then he was at the Green Hour doing absinthe drinks and super creative cocktails and creating a whole experience there at the Green Hour in Germantown. Then moved on later to the Bastion Little Bar, the incredible, uh, real craft focused wing of Bastion, the restaurant over there in Wedgwood, Houston. I'm talking about Jeremiah Blake finally on the program. We were able to do it, even though he's a Lakers fan. <laughs> How you doing tonight, bud?
1: Man, I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Lots to talk about tonight. We're not going to be, you know, but we've got the Daisy on the docket. We're going to talk about the Daisy, the origin of that idea, the origin of that drink. Uh, Jeremiah had a really famous Daisy back at the Holland house called the Daisy If You Do. This was a drink that was legendary. was in imbibe magazine going back, what, about 10, 11 years or so? Um, Yeah, 2011, I think. It's amazing. Um, So we're going to get into the Daisy a little bit. And also, another shot. And this is just a fun one to pass along to the listener. If you're going to be making some some shots at home in the blender, maybe entertaining a little bit. Jeremiah is going to tell you about the Billy Ocean, which was a legendary shot. You might have to take that one to Music Row with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a good one, man. Yeah, you know what one. I'm that talking about. Terms, take that to Midtown. I, I want to start here. Um, we just went through, and its I know it's still raging all across the world, um, but there's a pandemic going on, and obviously it hit our community really hard, and you had to stop bartending for a really long time, as so many did. But right before Bastion closed the doors for a little while going back to last March, March 2020, when the uh apocalypse was happening for dining out and for bars and and all that stuff. You were working with chefs there. And can you just tell me a little bit what that was like and what you remember about some of the stuff that you were working on and what just that that kind of what that time capsule was like for you when you kind of had to shift your whole career and start thinking about these different things. This was You know, you're 10 years into refining everything about the cocktail, right? So you're 10 years into that or more, and it all gets interrupted. But tell me a little bit about what it was like there working and what you were kind of working on before everything got shut down.
1: Well, it was a fantastic experience, first of all. Like we were wanting for nothing, Um, sky was the limit. And our uh, chef owner, Josh Havinger, you know, would always put, tell me this he's like you know anything is possible if you you want it like let's let's get there you know let's give these people the best experience and so I had a lot of ideas when I came in but just seeing how things went and really trying to focus on paying homage to what the chefs were doing because they worked so hard and what they put out was um, in my opinion the best in town they're really it really was um,
0: phenomenal food for sure I mean, um,
1: and the experience was incredible, and um, the tools that we had were, uh, you know, amazing. So, you know, I came in with an idea, and I think that those ideas were, were fine. But as I started to see it and really appreciate how the chefs were the star of the show, which was something I wasn't used to it was before, it was always, always cocktail-driven, I wanted to learn how to be a good supporting role but still make myself felt So you just take a look at what people are uh, ordering, uh, what they respond to, uh, what gets ordered, what doesn't. And by the end of it, what I was really learning was the experience with the chefs was the attention getter. And so I wanted to feel the role of helping people feel comfortable, but also giving them that bastion experience. So whether or not it was adding herbs to something that they were already comfortable with and maybe like one more thing just to kind of put it over the the top but the single most important cocktail I thought and I even got a little bit of pushback at Bastion at the beginning was making a really great espresso martini for after dinner something that people could hold on to after having such an amazing meal and then being like that exclamation point at the end of it
0: the drink that never dies the espresso the martini You yeah, can go back right. uh, to the archives And hear our episode We co- we covered it last summer We were going to get these shirts made Called Wake Me Up, Fuck Me Up Which was supposedly that's Probably what... my favorite episode <laughs> That you've done so far That's a great Wake Me Up, Fuck Me Up That's unforgettable yeah. But yeah, so no, you were It just cracked me up Like even hearing you say that again It's making me laugh so hard
1: <laughs> I think I was uh, on my Thanksgiving uh, road trip uh, seeing my family for the first time in a year I just dying laughing because of
0: that. That's hilarious. <laughs> so you were making just delicious espresso martinis. That's amazing.
1: Well, I'm, I was just about to, I was just about to unleash it. So, yeah. um, there's a gentleman that, um, I think very highly of, and I think everybody else should too. His name is Charles Jolie. Um, he won the, um, Diageo's, uh, world-class competition and, uh, he's always doing these amazing things. Um, I want to say it's at the uh, the Oscars, and um, he had a thing where he was doing this espresso, uh, like a cold brew, uh, with Guinness as a beer, and I had never thought of that, Mm. and that was so amazing to me, and we had all the ingredients, and we have amazing coffee at Bastion, so what I was working on right before we closed up was doing this uh, cold brew with Guinness, trying to figure out the right ratio with that and then uh we had kind of collaborated on a salted vanilla syrup using lactose to get that cream element mm. in there uh without the dairy and then really kind of making the spirit up to the guest and um with the the salt and the cold brew and doing all the classic ingredients like it was probably going to be the second best Uh, espresso martini in town like i felt really good about it Mm. unfortunately i never got to put it on the list however the first one that i think is the best in town and you definitely have to go buy and try this one is at americano lounge Mm. which is right next door to bastion i also made that one and helped them put that together but the key to that one is their espresso is the best in town it's hands down. They do a longer rest, so you get a lot more of the oils from the espresso in there. They're also doing a vanilla syrup um, in there that I helped them put together, and it is it is easily the best in town. And I was certainly aiming for uh, you know trying to be one B on that uh, best of list.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's fantastic, man.
0: Very cool. So salted vanilla Guinness cold brew espresso martini. Throw uh, a nice uh,
1: reposado in there. Throw uh, you know some mezcal. Throw some uh, bourbon in there if you want to. Oh yeah. Uh, whatever your poison is, it works with everything, and it's a uh, it's a great thing for um, you know your after dinner needs or uh, before dinner needs if you're uh, you know willing to do that.
0: That sounds amazing.
1: Well, I think drinks need to be
0: fun again. You know. You, so you talked a little bit about working with some of the chefs there. Did you did you settle into kind of a nice like back and forth where you're. You're talking about the food. You're talking about things that complement the food. There's a great wine program. We've had Alex Birch on the show and talked to him no, about he's, he's amazing and bubbles very, and all these and things. Yeah,
1: there's very few things
0: that I can do that he can't do better with his wine parents because he's so good. But well, what was that like being in that little environment where there's, you know, it's not like a million people. There, there's like five people working there.
1: Well, the best part about it was everybody is so good. But there's absolutely zero ego in that building. We just want to do the best. Mm -hmm. And I say we because I still feel part of that team even though I haven't worked there and it's been over a year now. But just seeing how that is and how the guest satisfaction is the primary concern, however we can get to that, we're going to do it. And I thought that was uh, really super spectacular. Just learning how to kind of stay out of the way but then shine in your moment was uh, kind of what it was all about.
0: That's super cool and I, and I think it's also amazing how you mention that the espresso martini that you are c- creating concocting that it goes with any spirit which is rare right That's a rare thing where you you can actually do something even in old-fashioned you'd kind of want to change little parts about it to fit the spirit but you had this espresso martini that works with all these different spirits which reminds me of you know what we're here to talk about the daisy and how the daisy was really almost another word for cocktail going way back to where uh, people were ordering daisies all over bars, you know, across the country going back to the 1860s, 1870s. And it was basically this whole different genre or classification for cocktails. But when did you first learn about like daisies and and how important that was for, for cocktail history and culture, and how you created your own kind of version of it that became such a hit.
1: Well, I think it was just uh, researching like old books and, you know, uh, primarily, you know, reading like uh, about Jerry Thomas and um, David Wondrush's book, uh, Imbibe, mm-hmm. and learning how to qualify or quantify drinks and what they were. You know, back in the early 2010s when. The cocktail craze was kind of at its zenith, and um, luckily we had the Patterson House to learn from. Uh, those guys were um, absolutely amazing and instrumental in my education. Mm-hmm. But just kind of learning like what the different things meant, rather than just making like a really cool drink. But the Daisy always struck me as very interesting because it had such a like muddy history. But what it ended up being was just uh, you know your spirit with um some acid and then sweetened with a um a liqueur
0: right which
1: i thought was really cool and in the history of that kind of looking back is that everything was sweetened with uh, some type of sugar or whatnot but because america is such a great melting pot finding all these great liqueurs around the world that could enhance this drink with whether it's like a orange or a maraschino or know what have you but really transforming those drinks and making
0: them you know more incredible pretty amazing um sip smith gin our friends over there at sip smith they have some cool articles on their site they have a good one about the daisy um where they reference a few as a few other uh articles as well check that out if you want to hear if you want to see some uh some cool history of the daisy but basically one thing i thought was cool that i don't remember reading i probably read it at some point years ago but that the daisy um originates from slang and is uh from the same kind of dialect that doozy came from like a daisy was like something really amazing extraordinary like whoa that's a doozy um back then you know <laughs> they talked a little bit different and they called it a daisy um, so that became kind of a way to do a really amazing cocktail. Like I want something special, make mine a Daisy, you know, where it's not just maybe an old fashioned. Um, right. and then there was a book. This comes from a uh, guide talks about the book going back to 1866, uh, was the first written reference, uh, a novel called gay life in New York or fast men and grass widows by Henry Llewellyn Williams. Um, and uh, a lot of people point to Washington, D.C. as the likely birthplace of the Daisy. But uh, as you mentioned, Jerry Thomas, his book, How to Mix Drinks, published in 1876, uh, really made the Daisy more well-known and, and something that all bars across the country kind of had to do. is it, it was either a gin Daisy, a brandy Daisy, a whiskey Daisy. And so there's a million different ways to do this. And obviously, the Daisy led to what is now the most famous daisy, the margarita? Uh, yeah. And people were basically using, you know, between that period of the 1860s to 1930s, it's basically grenadine, you know, uh, some sugar and curacao. People are lo- using different, uh, maybe seasonal like fruit liqueurs that are available regionally. Tell me about your daisy, because your daisy's kind of a whiskey daisy, the daisy if you do, but uh, it had such a nice, both delicious and complexity to it, so you got to tell us about your famous Daisy.
1: Back in the day at Holland House, uh, we were really trying to push it. We were trying to get, trying to figure out any way we could to get people to come across the river. And and when we first opened up, people were hesitant to come to the east side. It was still uh, a little rough around the edges, mm-hmm. is a nice way to put it.
0: <laughs>
1: and we had the Daisy on the menu, and it wasn't a bartender favorite, so. One of my favorite come together moments with a crew and kind of informed me of how to put together a cocktail list from that moment on, to be honest, was we looked at it and we're like, what can we do better? You know, so we sat there and we absolutely broke down this drink and um, I really wish that I could remember the original spec so that we could kind of laugh about what we changed about it. but all of us were very much into learning and we were very much into these different rare spirits and also how to make like a really cool drink. Mm-hmm. So in that meeting, what we ended up coming up with was a daisy is just going to be like, just to break it down. Like what we were doing was just taking bourbon we we're taking citrus and really using Benedictine as our sweetener mm. uh, to make a classic daisy. But what we did on that especially because of how hot it is in uh, Nashville to make a drink that was unique to us and also took care of what people wanted because everybody wanted, you know, bourbon at that time. And I think we were using bullet for that one. Mm -hmm. Um, Nice, right content, some spiciness. But what we did was kind of combine a lot of ideas that we were all learning at the time. And so uh, we muddled some fruit uh, so we could get those uh, oils in there to make it richer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we are doing lemon we were doing a little lime juice to kind of add that little extra complexity. And anybody that's out there that wants to make a drink, anytime you want to add complexity, muddle a little bit of fruit and then put its counterpoint, uh, in there juice wise also. So
0: Mm -hmm. we did some
1: lemon muddled to get that oil in there. We did some lime juice. Uh, we softened it up with little grapefruit juice. Um, we used Benedictine and then, uh, just a little agave to get that uh, fat content in there to make sure that all the flavors had room to grow and expand. And, um, that's, that's what it was. And, uh, we did that and we felt really good about it, but everybody at the meeting was so in love with Amaro and we wanted a bitter component mm-hmm. into that. And that's right about the time that Nashville was starting to expand its Amaro market. And we had this beautiful thing, which is still one of my favorites to this day, Amaro Chio Right.
0: Right. Um,
1: bright citrus notes got those cola notes got all that so we made the drink and then we would just sink a little bit of that uh amaro in it at the end and you got that nice band of dark at the bottom you got that nice bright looking cocktail it smelled all nice and fruity and you would take that sip and every sip you got you would get a little bit of that bitterness and that brightness and that awesomeness from it, it just added a complexity level that uh you know, most people weren't doing it at the time and uh, certainly made it a uh, fan favorite. I think for a while that was probably either number one or number two in our cocktail list for as long as it was on.
0: Yeah, it was it was ordered a ton. I can remember. And uh, I think one of the cool things about that is how you're bridging together all these different affinities of flavor and different like spirits and liqueurs that are very different, like bourbon, Benedictine, Amaro. But they all make a ton of sense together. When you've got all that citrus and um, the sweetness of the Benedictine, marrying that with the spice of the bourbon, just everything together, it's like this uh, perfect. It's like a perfume that is all these different elements that make sense once you smell it <laughs> or drink it.
1: Oh, hundred percent, man. Uh, I mean, uh, like, and deep in quarantine, I I went through the process of making all those things and. I was like, man, this is a good drink when it's made right. Uh, also, a real, you know, pain in the butt to be honest with you, but um, completely worth it when you put everything together. It just a, is a magical combination.
0: Yeah, well, it's uh, was that something that during the the quarantine that you were kind of surprised about. Um, definitely, it was for me, and you know, that's a lot of what I talk about in the in the new book, which I'm I'm thrilled to have you in there in the book in bar and tined, lost spring is as, as, as it was called as the ebook um so thank you for doing that and thank you for being a part of that but that was that oh, something that right. kind of surprised you um in that period that you were like at home making you know making some amazing drinks because that's not something that bartenders like us necessarily do at home yeah, I don't. I, I you know. hate doing dishes. So <laughs> anything
1: that adds extra dishes, like that's not my thing. But what I loved about quarantine is it made me really go back and think about things. Where like being in the bar world and like trying to come up with new stuff, like you're just on to the next thing constantly. Like you put on mm-hmm. the list, and then you're kind of over it because you've already done it for like a month before you release it to the public. So you make a few of them, people like it, and then you're thinking about the next menu. Yeah, but that was one that stuck with me and I'd had a lot of people ask me about it and I was like, and it'd be fun to kind of think about like, how would I do this? You know, 10 years later, like would I, is there steps that I would shorten? And I tried and honestly, like just the way that we used to do it was the hands down the best way. And it's, it's a bunch of steps, but it's just delicious. And, um, it looks great in the glass when you uh, present it. And it's something that uh, I've had a lot of people request over the years and even hit me up, just be like, how can I make this at that at home? You know?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think the essence of what a lot of you're saying on that too, is like, it's hard to say it in just a recipe necessarily. I guess that's, that's part of the reason podcasts are nice. Cause um, you can really get to the, you can really talk about, the details of things, the essence of things, but basically what you're saying is that muddling those lemon quarters is such a big difference than just adding lemon juice, and that's the thing of like, you kind of have to tell someone like, yeah, hey, you got to try it, it makes a huge difference, and it's one of those things, once you do it and you try it, maybe either you try making it at home or you go to a bar and they do it for you, um, but it's really, it, those little details, that's kind of the essence of what the whole craft thing is. It's those little details along the way that are maybe a little bit more difficult, but when you try it side by side with just a quarter ounce of lemon juice, whatever it is, a half ounce of lemon juice, it's a huge difference. It's yeah, like it's the hard. difference between a vinyl record and a MP three.
1: Honestly, that that's probably the best way to say it. You know, I would even think like I've I've tried to quantify this, you know, in my home living, like what is the difference? Is just you know, what is it like to get into a bed that has better sheets versus just your basic sheets it just feels better like I don't really know how else to say it is the lemon oils that just give it more uh, I even tried like shaking in you know like a lemon husk or doing some things like that to try to like uh, soften it up it's just it just isn't it it's got to be these things to make that taste and that taste is what everybody uh, knows and loves and uh, we'll just do it that way
0: that Daisy was phenomenal. That was that was a bit of a, a smash hit, I would say. Um, no pun intended, but uh yeah, pun intended for sure. <laughs> but uh was there a drink, what's the one drink for you that going back in your career so you were at you were at Virago, you were working there, there were some cocktails going on there, that's late aughts or so. Uh but what was there a drink for you where the light switch went on where you were like, Oh, I kinda I kind of see there's a whole new way of doing this now. What was like what was that one drink? Mm. Or was there? No, there was. Cuz for um, me it's like it was kind of like the Manhattan. When I realized that, you know, and I had been bartending and I was we were making really good drinks, but it was like once I started to kind of focus on just a Manhattan, all the different whiskeys you could use, all the different sweet vermouths, the bitters, the method, the ice, the everything. It was kind of like, wow. This is the simplest drink in the world, but why can it be amazing on one hand and then be terrible with the same ingredients, you know?
1: Well, I mean, honestly, and I have to give a lot of props to um, Terrell, who is our uh, bar mentor for both of us at Hot uh, House and being so informative about those things. But the Manhattan was probably it for me as well. But I think the one that, really kind of got me was we also had this um, thing called the Chelsea Sidecar, which was oh, right. just kind of taking the that idea of having a gin sour and uh, what you could do to it and then realizing that that was kind of the backbone of just about every cocktail that's out there, like besides the old-fashioned and the Manhattan, like what we were talking about, like we can get into Boulevardier's and we can get into Negroni's and all that, but that chelsea sidecar and just being able to change the flavors up just so slightly and all we did was add lavender to it but
0: yeah and go through that drink one more time or go through that drink uh, just so people kind of remember what it was because um that one was another one that was super popular we made a lot of basically um
1: what it was and at the time that we were putting it out was We were taking a a lavender essence that we were making, just kind of like a tincture to kind of give it a little spike of that flavor. Uh, Just gin, lemon, sugar. Uh, We were certainly doing a a sugar rim to kind of enhance the fat a little bit, get that sweetness in there, and a little uh, lavender essence on uh, the glass, uh, which I always thought was a great touch just to get those aromatics in there. Mm -hmm. Just a dash of bitters, just to kind of bring everything
0: home but I still remember the day that I
1: understood that the Chelsea Sidecar was really just a a Tom Collins Mm -hmm. just without the soda and how that just opened the door for me flavor wise and understanding like what cocktails were and how they worked and how to maximize those flavor potentials.
0: Well, and you're basically talking about a Daisy to bring it full circle because, um, if you added, you know, you add a few bubbles to it and, uh, you've got that daisy most of those early daisies had soda once they kind of got out of the shaved ice area era of the daisy which um i should mention i was going to mention that earlier but that was a big jerry thomas thing and i think to blow people's minds you could do a sonic daisy where you just go to sonic you get the ice get get uh get some soda on the side of it maybe one of the I don't know, one of those like blue or red sodas that Sonic has, and if you squeezed a bunch of citrus in there to to freshen that up, and then added some spirit, you'd kind of have like this summer crusher.
1: That's pretty much what it is, just like a, you know, even if you said cherry limeade, but you use gin and maraschino, but then you just use the limeade as a daisy. Yeah. And in those early days, um, there was a lot of. Does it have soda? Is it not soda? And some of the stuff that uh, I had to brush up on just to remember, and it's very important, I think, to remember time periods and what was happening so you can be a little bit more informative about the actual drink and make sure that you're being correct, Mm. is it was soda at the beginning, and that seemed to make a switch to a liqueur. And I kind of feel like that what you were saying at the beginning it's a daisy or it's a doozy mm-hmm. um, the soda was kind of a phenomenon but yeah. then it really became about the liqueurs that were available and you know times happened a little bit slower back then and so getting a, a curacao like how many people had access to oranges like that had to be a flavor that blew your mind you know or like a cherry liqueur or whatever it is that you, you are going to use for that daisy but just
0: really making that drink like you said a doozy yeah wow pretty amazing um that they were drinking you know I'm sure there were some shit drinks back then they were also drinking really well when you take into account that um they were doing all the cobblers and all the crushed ice and it was like crushed ice it was cracked ice there was shaved ice um I mean there was a lot of fucking adult snow cone action going on that's what I think people yeah it's like they might have been twirling mustaches and saying weird shit like (laughs) <laughs> That's a doozy, uh, hanky panky. Um, but <laughs> they were oh, crushing oh, some oh, adult snow cones. Have
1: greens built into them, so you,
0: know, yeah. you don't have to get too
1: fancy about it. But yeah, like I just think like the flavor profiles would you know absolutely blow your mind if you're not uh, if you hadn't been exposed to them. And most people hadn't been. And even having ice in all of its various phases, like or um, platforms, like
0: what you were saying is just having ice was amazing you know yeah yeah had to be a special time well let's let's talk about uh it's summertime it's hot and you have one of the great summertime shots the billy ocean so let's talk about what is the billy ocean how did it come about oh man so the billy
1: ocean the billy ocean kind of came about and i hope i'm remembering this correctly so there was only a handful of us at uh, Holland house at this time and uh, it was a highly creative period anything went we're all learning we had built our own pretty solid uh orgeot, which i've added a little bit to um over the years but it was pretty damn good
0: yeah um, it was.
1: especially considering like your store-bought stuff like i still can't do store-bought uh, because of how well we were taught to uh, kind of make our own and it just makes such a difference but we we're experimenting with a lot of things and uh, Uh, The pharmacy was about to open up, and so we were um, in that process of kind of experimenting with things that could go with them and a lot of the acid phosphates there. So we had um, these great lemon and lime phosphates that we were experimenting with for the pharmacy, and uh, we were working with passion fruit a lot in those days. Mm. We had a ton of orjot. So just thinking of like fun things for people and I think that the credit really kind of goes to either Ryan Kendrick, Ryan Creamer, probably a combination of the two. Uh, Those guys were great at uh, figuring out what people wanted, Mm -hmm. uh, where we were all trying to build the the bar program, but they were like really great at filling in the gaps and doing things that uh, maybe we were being a little too nerdy about and forgetting about the customer experience, trying to uh, give them this whole other experience. Mm-hmm.
0: but uh just as simple as having a uh, nice passion fruit puree which we used brown sugar
1: to kind of soften that sour note a little bit and uh still give it that richness but keep the flavor true to itself mm-hmm. with a little bit of orgeat, um we were using this brilliant uh, white rum called methuslum that we were getting uh, ridiculously cheap so we we're pouring it very freely and then just sitting with a little bit of that phosphate which i've realized like over time like we don't have to you know go you know so deep into it and still make it uh pretty awesome but uh we uh, definitely had some fun shifts uh fueled on some billy oceans didn't we
0: yeah the billy ocean makes you feel like you're on an episode of miami vice cruising around in a boat with like your collar open (laughs) but would you say if we were going to give a recipe for the folks at home like you're going to make this as sort of a shot ish maybe you do an ounce of rum, an ounce of white rum, a half ounce of, uh, passion fruit syrup. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, if you can do an orgeat, and I think that, uh, Giffard's would give you a great one if you don't want to go through the, uh, trouble of making that, mm-hmm. um, kind of give you that taste and maybe just like a, a splash of citrus and just a little bit of that will get you, get you done. I think that, There at the end, um, we were hitting it with uh, that lemon phosphate just to give it a little uh, balance Mm to the sweetness. But um, you can use Prosecco. You can use uh, Cava if that's what you're into. The core of it is really just getting that base spirit in there, the passion fruit, some Orjot, and a nice little uh, citrus love on the end. Even if uh, you're just doing a little uh, squeeze to finish on top of that soda, it'll it'll still hit you just right.
0: Yeah, I mean, people could even use like a just a simple uh, sparkling water, like a flavored mm-hmm. sparkling water, bubbly or something from the store. That would be great. Yeah, I,
1: honestly, I think the, the grapefruit or the lime topo Chico would be a, a really lovely
0: addition to that. Oh, that would be that'd be perfect. Which is, you know, here we are again. This is sort of another version of a daisy. So it's it's a kind of template that you really can't get away from. Um, Nowadays in cocktails, um, even though you don't, you just don't hear that word much anymore, the daisy, but, uh, this would be an amazing drink to, you could even batch this for, for your summer barbecues. Um, you could make it as a shot like we used to. Um, and then I always tell people with passion fruit, which is, it can be kind of a tough one, uh, because you're not really buying passion fruit, um, nectar at the store necessarily at the grocery store. But I always tell people um, you can obviously buy the purees online or possibly Whole Foods or another kind of specialty store. But also Republic of Tea, um, they and their teas are pretty widely available. They make a papaya passion fruit tea that you can easily get that passion fruit flavor into something without having to go through the process of either making a puree, getting a puree. Um, so I always point to people towards that. Republic of Tea their passion fruit tea, um, not a sponsor or anything, but a really easy way to get passion fruit flavor into something you're making.
1: Yeah, that, that actually sounds fantastic. And then you're getting the tea in there too, which is going to add a little depth of flavor.
0: <clears throat> Definitely. One of
1: the things that I've learned with the tea is quadruple the amount of tea. If you're making a syrup, mm. just quadruple that mm-hmm. because it's going to get diluted down in the tin. And you want to capture that flavor um, throughout. But if you'll go just four times the amount to the water that's needed, you'll get that flavor and it'll come through in the cocktail for sure.
0: Mm, that's great. That's a great little tip. So you are about to get back into bartending. You've been doing all kinds of things the last year or so. What has it been like for you recently just being back behind the bar, being out there among people? What's it been like for you?
1: I think the main thing is just uh, the joy of getting back together. Personally, I've de-emphasized, you know, the complex cocktail and just kind of reveling in the fact that we're all back and, uh, you know, trying to get it started again. I, there's a there's a lot of things that uh, we missed out on and a lot to catch up on. And uh, just, you know, providing those fun drinks that uh, can help people kind of come together and uh, remember what it's like to have fun again and um to your point and the whole point of the show is the daisy is one of the best ones that i can think of it's the easiest thing to make at home and it's super enjoyable
0: it's this like huge canvas you know there's all these different things and like now That's you have a mi- yeah thing. now you have a million options for soda water even you know,
1: like I was at the store tonight, like uh, you I know, wanted to have a daisy when we were starting off and um, I just went with a real simple uh, mezcal Cointreau lime um, situation that was mm. um, extra lovely. Um, I still think that the ideal difference between modern drinking and um, back in those days, and I'm not 100% sure that all of it, our ingredients are exactly the same, but just a little bit of fat. Mm. Um, will carry a long ways whether or not that's a, a simple syrup just maybe a quarter ounce instead of you know just going straight on the spirit but and it, it really is uh tough to get better than that
0: and you must be seeing um kind of a, do you see a renewed yeah i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to lead the witness but are you seeing uh a renewed kind of sense of joy in people that are out there drinking are you seeing kind of a Are you seeing good vibes? Very good vibes. (laughs) I mean, I think
1: people are just—the most important thing right now is that people just want to reconnect. And um, I've always felt that the cocktail was a great thing to connect over. And so these days, what I'm seeing the most is, like, let's just keep it simple. Let's make it delicious. Let's help people uh, remember what it's like to have uh, some social graces and— you know, some uh, skills and being out in public, but um, also reminding people what um, the original joy of the cocktail was about. And it's really honestly about simple flavors, but a deliciously made product made by a skilled hand and uh, giving support to the people that know how to do that. And uh, also that remember that uh, it's not just about uh, all the cool things that we know as mixologists or bartenders. Um, I hate the word mixologist, but I understand where that that comes from but you know making delicious good bites for people and uh helping them uh reconnect and readjust because uh the service industry isn't the only ones that have had a hard time getting back to uh life as we know it you know
0: definitely well i'm glad it's i'm glad it's happening i'm glad you uh you're you're back behind the stick and um thank you keep us up to date uh throughout the summer We're, we're gonna be having you back talking absinthe here In just a couple weeks so we look forward to that that'll be amazing it'll be hot enough that we'll probably need that shaved ice so i will bring the shaved ice all right i'm into it i'll bring the recipes excellent all right man well we will talk to you soon and uh thanks so much for coming on it's the summer of shots and now you've got the billy ocean and the daisy in your arsenal thanks to jeremiah blake jeremiah we'll talk to you in a few weeks
1: Alright man, I'm looking forward
0: to it. Peace.